Every week we get uh, prayer cards filled out and, and people have needs on them. And if you're here and you would say, well, I didn't fill out a card, but I could use some prayer. Uh, go ahead and slip up your hand. I'd love to include you in these prayers. We're going to do something a little different today. Instead of, instead of praying for these cards individually or you know what we're going to do? I want you to think of that area, and we're going to speak the name of Jesus over that area. Because the Bible says, at the name of Jesus, every knee bows, and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. At the name of Jesus, demons tremble. So if demons tremble at the name of Jesus, I think your financial situation is more, Jesus is more than capable of dealing with your kids or with your boss or with your relationship. So let's pray. Father, we speak the name of Jesus over every situation in this room, over every situation in these cards. We speak the power and the blood and the victory, the authority of the name of Jesus over every situation in our lives. Holy Spirit, we give you permission to permeate every area in our lives. We speak the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would now speak to us through your word. You would change our hearts and start with mine. We don't want to leave you the same way we got here. So make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I've told you in the past about my friend Pancho. And we grew up together in Fort Lupton. And he wasn't very uh, smart. And so uh, one day he, he came home. It was after the new year. And, and his wife uh, was upset with him. She said, Pancho, I was looking at the bank account. And this week you spent $25 on beer. That's too much. You're spending too much money on beer. And he says, well, I was also looking at the bank account. And this week you spent $50 on makeup. And she says, yes, Pancho, but the makeup, I put it on. And the makeup makes it so that I look so pretty that you want to kiss me. And Pancho says, well, the beer does the same thing, and it's a lot cheaper. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever tried to change someone else? Have you ever tried to, to push and encourage and maybe even, like, uh, threaten and, and, and just try? To, who's ever tried to change someone else? How, how effective is that? Right? It's not easy. It doesn't work. Someone's got to, they have to want to change, right? So this series is about Jesus changing our lives. And so what we're going to do today is I don't want you to think about uh, the person sitting next to you or your neighbor or your boss or your husband or your wife. No elbowing in the ribs today, okay? I just want you to say, Lord, put the light on me and show me the areas that you want me to change, all right? Everybody say me. All right, so now we're talking about you, okay? So how many of you have at least one area in your life that you would say, I need to change it? Like, like maybe it's a, a habit or a relationship or uh, maybe it's something to do with your health, a financial situation, something at school or at work that you would say, I have at least one area in my life I'd like to change. Go ahead and raise your hand. So there's a few of us that are perfect. So the rest of us are going to do our best to catch up with you today, Okay. You're like, I'm not raising my hand for nothing. Okay, that's okay. You don't, you don't have to. It's all right. Uh, but may, maybe, maybe you want to get in, let's say, better shape. And you know that if you got in better shape physically, you'd be better for your family. You'd sleep better. You'd be better for your kids. You'd feel better. You know you'd live longer. But for some reason, you just can't. It's hard. So the website, uh, the exercise tracking website, Strava, they analyzed over 800 million different uploaded activities that their, their users had done. And they figured out that the number one day that people give up on their New Year's resolution fitness goals is the second Friday of January. 
So they, so that's already passed, right? So some of you are like, I gave up before that. <laughs> I'm an I'm a early achiever. Okay, so they also figured out that only 9% of people who set fitness goals actually achieve them. So most of us start out with really good intentions, but, but we don't follow through. So then year after year, we, we're not in the shape we'd like to be in, or we spend more than we make, or we really want to read the Bible, but, but we just don't. So today I want to talk to people who feel stuck. And the title of this message is Sick of Being Stuck. If you're sick of being stuck, say, I'm sick of it. Go ahead, say that. Look at your neighbor, say, I'm sick of it, man. Sick of it. If you're joining us online, just write in the chat, I'm sick of it. Go ahead and write that in. Because the truth is many of us are frustrated or exhausted or even embarrassed. We feel alone. We feel like we're the only one. But the good news is you are not the only one. As a matter of fact, one of the most famous people in the Bible, Paul, talks about this feeling of being stuck. Romans chapter 7. This is to me one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible. He says, I, don't, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. In other words, I want to do the right thing, but then I don't do the right thing. I end up doing the exact opposite of the right thing. Can anyone relate to how Paul is feeling in this right now? I want to do the right thing. I want to do what God's telling me to do. And then he goes on to verse 24. He says, what a wretched man I am. I'm a mess, Paul is saying. What's the matter with me? The Angel Flores version of the Bible, that scripture says, I'm all jacked up. Is anybody else all jacked up besides me? Good. You're in the right place. This is the church of the jacked up, pastored by the most jacked up pastor. We've got the most jacked up staff, jacked up board of trustees. And all we're trying to do is we're trying to give hope to all the other jacked up people. Paul says, I'm all jacked up. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? He's tried to change. Can you see that? Who's going to help me? And maybe, maybe that's you. You're like, I, I'm trying. I've tried to change. I've, I, I, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, this is my, my year. And I went out and I bought some, some running shoes. I bought the, the hokas and the on clouds just to be ready, you know. And I, bought, I went to Lululemon and I spent $200 on tights. And I got a planner and I made a vision board. And all of it's sitting underneath a half-eaten bag of Doritos on my couch because I'm trying, but I just can't do it. I'm struggling. I'm stuck. Look what Paul says. He said, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, thank goodness I've got lots of willpower. Thank goodness I grind. I grind every day. Thank goodness... Has anyone ever tried to just force yourself to do the right thing? So we, I did probably one of the dumbest things I've ever done this week. I bought a, a cold plunge tank. I don't know if you've heard about this. You, go, you, you put cold water in a tank, and then you get in it. Isn't that dumb? That's dumb. So I got in it. Uh, I didn't do it today. <laughs> it was 39 degrees, and I got in for three minutes. And I'm like, the whole time I'm thinking, this is stupid. What am I doing, right? We, we, sometimes we try and will ourselves. You know that Diane got in it for two and a half minutes. She's tough, man. 
Paul says, instead of all that, instead of trying to have good willpower and be strong, he says, thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul is teaching us that real change is not behavior modification. Real change is spiritual transformation. It's not just changing on the outside. It's not just changing what we do on the outside. It's allowing God to change us from the inside. So his whole his whole statement, he's, he's like, I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I don't do. And what I hate, I do. I'm a wretched man. Who's going to rescue me? It's Jesus Christ. Thank God the answer is not my own effort. It's not my willpower. It's not trying harder. It's not, it's not working harder. It's Jesus Christ, our Lord. So real quick, let's look at, we're going to look at three different mindsets that Christians have when we approach Life change. Two are incorrect. One is right. This I wish this was my list. It came from a guy named Jerry Bridges. Uh, he's, he's a writer. But let's start first with the incorrect ones. First one is God, then me. What this means is Jesus has done all of the hard work to rescue us and save us from our sin. So he's born to a teenage virgin girl, lives a perfectly sinless life. Sometimes we glaze over that. The fact that Jesus never sinned. Never said a cuss word, never cheated on a test, never looked a little too long at a hyena walking by, you know what I mean? <laughs> Jesus never sinned. Then he, you guys didn't know I knew that word, hyena? <laughs> so, you know, what's, honey, what's a hyena? I don't know. Anyway, okay. <laughs> then he dies on a cross for our sins and he resurrects himself from the dead. So God has done all of the work already and he saves us. Then he brings us into his family and he says, now it's up to you to change. God does all this supernatural spiritual work to bring us into his family. And then he says, okay, good luck. You're on your own. So it's God, then me doing the work. So Jesus is like, okay, see you when you die. And if you don't change, if you struggle, I'm going to be mad at you. All right. That's, some of us think I have to change on my own. God has done the work. Then it's up to me to do this. How do I do it? By trying harder. I'm just going to try harder. And we hear this in our, even in our own language. I'm trying to stop losing my temper with my kids. I'm trying to stop cussing, but dang it, it's hard. Only you don't say dang it. You get, you get what I'm saying? I'm trying to get my spending under control. I'm trying to stop going on apps or websites that I know God doesn't want for me. The underlying belief here is if it is to be, it's up to me. This is an incorrect view of how God changes our lives, okay? The second one is God, not me. So if the first one's all about trying harder, the second one's about not trying at all. You're, we're just saying, you know what, God? This, this absolves us of any effort or any responsibility. People who have this mindset say, God, if, God's gonna, if I'm gonna change, God's gonna change me. If God wants me different, he's gonna change me. And we put all of the responsibility for our lives on him, and we take none for ourselves. So the extreme of this would be, you know, I'm sick of my job, I'm sick of my boss, I'm quitting, and I'm going to wait for God to find me another job. Good luck explaining that to your wife when you get home, right? Or maybe you say, I want to be closer to God, I wish I was closer to God, but for some reason, I don't feel close to God, he's not doing his job. Now, you haven't prayed since Y2K, haven't read your Bible since 2010, haven't come back to church since COVID, but you don't know why you're not feeling closer to God. God, not me. He's not doing his part. 
Both of these mindsets are incorrect. Here's the right one. It's God through me. Remember, we're not talking about behavior modification. We're talking about spiritual transformation. So we're going to go back to the Apostle Paul, the guy who says, I want to change, but I can't. He starts kind of introducing the work he's done. This is what Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, for I am the least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. This is Paul talking, who personally started at least 20 churches that we know of. Diane and I started one church, and it almost killed me. Paul started 20 churches. One of those churches he started in the province of Asia spawned so many daughter churches that at one time, every single person in the province of Asia had heard the gospel because of Paul. Paul also wrote half of the New Testament. Paul, who... Uh, it was his desire and his commitment to take the gospel to people who were not Jewish. And because of that, we have the gospel here today. That was because of Paul. Paul who died, the Bible says that Paul died and went to heaven and then came back. And Paul is saying, I'm the least. Don't even call me an apostle. An apostle is someone who oversees other churches. And then he says, because my past disqualifies me. I persecuted other Christians. So therefore, God, don't, 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 even, don't even call me, don't even use me. Can anyone relate to how Paul feels? My past disqualifies me. I want you to listen to me very carefully. The work that Jesus did on the cross is what qualifies you. Nothing can disqualify you once you accept the sacrifice and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Once you do that, you are qualified. So he's like, you know, I, I don't really deserve to be called an apostle because of what I did. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, the other apostles. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So Paul says, in other words, it's God through me. He says, I don't deserve this and I didn't earn it. But by God's grace, he changed me. And then he says, but that grace was not without effect. In other words, as a response to the grace that God gave me, I outworked all of those other guys. Isn't that a big statement? Because he's talking about Jesus' other apostles, his other disciples. He's like, yeah, Peter, James, John, I worked all those suckers. I did more than them. And then later on, we see he kind of lists what he did. Religion says, I'll do good so God will save me. If I'm just good enough, if I just do enough good deeds, if, I, if my good outweighs my bad, then God will save me. But the gospel says God has saved me and it causes me to do good. See the difference? We're not trying to earn anything. We're doing it as a response to Jesus saving me. So when Paul says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. It's because of God and his grace. And so because of that, I started out working the other guys. And this was Paul. He got up earlier than everyone else. He stayed up later. He started more churches. He raised up more leaders. He preached the gospel more fearlessly. He was beaten and whipped over and over. He was shipwrecked. At one point, he gets bit by a poisonous snake. He's put in prison over and over and over. The Bible tells us even at one point, he was stoned. Now, I know some people are like, well, at least he got a little relief. Not that kind of stoned, all right? A bunch of people gathered in a circle around him, took these big rocks, and threw that at him, them at him until he was dead. And then a group of believers gathered around him, prayed for him, and God raised him back to life. Paul, who did all of these things, 
He says, it wasn't me. It was God through me. And if God, the Bible says that he is not a respecter of persons. What that means is if he did it for him, he'll do it for you. God will work through you if you'll allow him. So how does this work on Monday when I get to work and I'm so sick of my boss, I want to take him hostage and hold the whole place hostage. Or I'm just, I'm losing it with my kids and I want to yell at my family or I just say forget it and I go on a shopping spree on Amazon that I can't afford. How does this work on Monday? Here's the key. Ready? You should write this down. You might want to take a picture of the screen. This is going to blow your mind. God's about to unlock a secret of transformation in your mind. Are you ready? Are you? Okay. You don't look ready. Ready? All right. Here we go. You're ready. Say, I'm ready. Here we go. Ready? Spiritual transformation is spiritual. How does this work? Let's make it practical. Let's say that you go on your phone and you look at the setting that tells you how long you spent on your phone this week. And it's five hours a day. And you're like, whoa, that's way too much time to be on my phone. I don't want to be on my phone that much. So you say, I'm going to try and spend less time on my phone. Why? Because it's just way too much time. What if you made it spiritual? What if you invited the Holy Spirit to be a part of this transformation? And so instead of just trying to gut it out and just keep your phone down, what if you recognized, the Bible says that God wants us to love people and love each other. But it's really hard to love people when you're staring at your phone. Have you ever been around someone that won't get off their phone? Do you feel loved? No. Do you feel noticed? No. What do you feel? Irritated, annoyed, right? So what if you recognize, you say, you know, it's really hard for me to love people around me when I'm staring at my phone. So Lord, help me to love people by putting my phone down and focusing on them. Now it's not me. It's God through me. You see how that works? Let me give you another example. Let's say that you want to get better control over your money. Why? Because you're sick of being broke. Okay, that, that makes sense. So you say, I'm going to try and get my budget under control. I'm going to try to spend less. What if you invited the Holy Spirit into that conversation? And you said, Lord, I recognize that every resource I have comes from you. Help me to steward and care for what I have so that I can not only pay my bills, but I can be a blessing to people around me. Now it's just not about you. It's God through you. See how that works? One more example. Let's say your goal is, is physical. You want to get in better shape. Why? Well, I have my high school reunion coming up and I want to look hot. Okay, that's something. So you say, I'm going to try and eat better and go to the gym. What if instead you made it spiritual? You said, Lord, I recognize that my body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want to care for it because you've given it to me. It's the only one I'm ever going to get. And I also want to make sure that I'm around for a long time to continue to point my family and others to Jesus. Now it's not just me trying to will it. It's God through me. Isaiah the prophet describes this transformation. He says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So Isaiah says, if we will put our hope and faith and trust in God, then when we run, we're not going to get tired. But the key is we have to run. God's inviting us to move. He wants us to do something. He wants us to participate. And when we do it, then he comes underneath us 
with wings like eagles and he carries us and we do things and go places that we couldn't do on our own. In other words, it's God through me. Have you ever got on one of those moving sidewalks at the airport? Have you ever got on one of those? There's people that don't get on them. I don't understand why. Like, I'm like, this is awesome. And so if you get on one and you keep walking at the same rate that you were walking before, you're walking fast now. And you start passing people. And you're like, what? What? You're like, I'm ready for the Olympic walking team. Look at me. I'm just cruising, right? It's because you're doing the same effort but with a lot more energy behind it, energy that doesn't come from you, and you're having much better results. That's exactly how Jesus changes lives. When you start, he comes alongside you, and he gives you that strength to fly. But he will never force you. He's never going to make you. You could live your whole life stuck exactly where you are for the rest of your life. And yes, you're going to get to heaven, but that's not really the point. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about having heaven here on earth, about bringing God's kingdom here. That's part of the Lord's prayer. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. God wants to move his kingdom through you, through your hands. There's nothing more incredible than watching God work through your hands. But he's a gentleman. He's not going to force you. It's up to us. So there was this little girl, her name was Jenny. She was six years old. And she was in the checkout lane with her mom at the supermarket. And she looked over and there was a strand of fake pearls hanging on the rack. And she says, oh, mom, please, please buy those for me. I love these pearls. Please buy them. Her mom looked at him. She said, Jenny, those are $4. How about I give you a list of chores when we get home. And if you do all these chores, I'll pay you. And then I'll come buy those for you. Jenny says, that's a deal. So they get home and she gives her a list of chores, empty the dishwasher and, and you know, vacuum the carpet and wax the car, change the oil. I don't know what all was on the list. But she goes through and she does the list. And she earns the $4 in about two weeks. Then she takes her to the grocery store. Sure enough, there's the pearls. And Jenny loved her little pearls. She loved that little fake pearl necklace, those little plastic pearls. She wore them to school. She'd wear them to church. She wore them to bed. She loved those pearls. And every, every night, Jenny's dad would come in and he would read her a bedtime story. Then he would tuck her into bed. And one night he came in and he read the story. And right as he was about to put her to bed, he says, Jenny, do you love me? She says, of course, Daddy, you know I love you. He says, can I have your pearls? She says, oh, no, Daddy, I love these pearls. They're my favorite thing in the world. You can have my stuffed horse. He's my favorite stuffed animal. You can have that. And the dad says, that's okay, Jenny, you can keep it. I love you, good night. About a week later, he comes in, he's doing her, he finishes reading her book. And then he says, Jenny, do you love me? She says, yes, Daddy, of course I love you. He says, can I have those pearls? She says, oh, Daddy, no, you can't have these pearls. They're my favorite pearls. I love these pearls. You can have my baby doll. It's my favorite doll. Dad says, no, thanks, Jenny. You can keep it. I love you. Good night. Another week passed. This time he walks into the room, and she's sitting cross-legged on the bed. And he can tell something's different. And as he walks up, he can see she's emotional, and she's shaking. And as he gets closer to her, he sees a single tear run down her face. And before he can say anything, before he can say, how are you? What's the matter? Why are you crying? She says, here you go, Daddy. These pearls are for you. I know you want them. And with a tear in her eye and quivering lips, she hands him her pearls. And with a smile, her daddy reaches out and he takes her little pearls in one hand. And with the other hand, he reaches in his pocket and gives her a real set of pearls. 
puts the real pearls around her neck. That's exactly what God is offering us. He says, you're trying to hang on to stuff. You're trying to, you're trying to wrestle with me. You're trying to keep some things that you, you, you're not ready to surrender. God's, and you know what? We can keep our fake pearls for the rest of our lives if we want to. But I, for one, I'm not going to walk into heaven with some fake pearls. I'm not going to walk into heaven and say, God, I'm here. God's in, that's, that's not God's plan for you either. If we'll trust him, if we'll really trust him, whatever area it is that you're wanting to change, if we'll surrender it to him, God, I'm done trying. I'm done wrestling. It's all yours. God will say, this is the moment I've been waiting for. Let's change the world together. Let's pray. Father, today we reject the idea that it's you, then me that you're waiting on us with our willpower and for us to change on our own. Lord, we know that that's not, that's not how this works. And we also know that it's not God, not me. We, we know that you're not just gonna do everything while we sit back and do nothing. We, we know it's God through me. So today, Lord, we surrender every area of our lives. We surrender our physical bodies to you, Lord. They're yours. We surrender our finances to you, Lord. Everything that we have comes from you, it's yours. We surrender our relationships to you, Lord. They're yours. We surrender our kids and our families. They're yours. We surrender our jobs, our careers. They're yours. We surrender everything, knowing that you're not going to give us back something less, but you're going to do something better. So we put our faith and trust in you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand and sing this last chorus with us? Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is life, Jesus, break every stronghold, shine through the shadows, burn like a fire. that change happens. And so maybe you've never made that decision before. Maybe you've never decided to have God come into your life so that God can change you. And if that's you, then this part of the service is for you. We never wanna leave you without the opportunity to invite Jesus into your life. And there's nothing special about these words. It's more about your heart behind it. So I'm gonna say a prayer. If I could have everyone in the room repeat after me so that those who are making this decision have the support of all of us in the room. Dear God, thank you for loving me despite my faults. Your love transcends all understanding. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you that you sent him to die on the cross for me. I ask you to wash away my sins. Come into my heart. 
be the Lord of my life. Make me more like you. Amen. If you just said that prayer for the first time, congratulations. You may be seated. We would love to support you on that journey. So if you said that prayer with any sort of conviction in your heart, let us come beside you. We have some materials we'd like to send you, stuff to read, just to support you as you now walk this new journey with God. So on the back of the chair in front of you, you'll see that QR code. If you scan it, you can click New Believer, and we would love to send you some stuff. So feel free to fill that out. So here at Mosaic, we have kind of two main events that happen every month. We have first Saturday prayer, which as you guessed it, happens on the first Saturday of every month. And then we have worship night. And worship night happens on the last Sunday of every month. So next Sunday, January 28th, come here at seven o'clock, we have our worship night and it's awesome. It's a night where everyone in the room is just giving thanks and praising God and it's just a really good time. So come, it's about less than an hour, so you will you should come and, and join us for that next Sunday, 7 o'clock at night. Um, as you're exiting the auditorium, you'll see um, our missions team has set up a wall of missions crafts. So we have a team here that builds these crafts and they sell them to go towards our orphanage fund in Mexico. So anything that you buy will go towards our folks down in Mexico um, helping take care of those kiddos. So support us on your way out. We love Sundays. Do you love Sundays? We love Sundays. Yes. The tricky thing about Sundays is we're all in rows and it's hard to meet people and make connections while we sit in these rows. So Mosaic has connect groups. Connect groups move us from rows to circles so that we can actually do life with one another. Connect groups happen, they start next month in February. So for all my introverts in the room, get ready, okay? Start preparing, you might have to be social. Um, but we have connect groups for all different types of people of all different types of interests. So start thinking about a connect group. When I was in college, I made some dumb decisions, right? When you're like 18, 19, 20, you make dumb choices. But I was in a connect group for college students. And so I think back to that time in my life had I not had that connect group, how much dumber the choices I might have made without that support group. When we got married, my husband and I got married in 2013, and we joined a connect group for newlyweds. And that time, you know, the first year of marriage, like, wow, that's a doozy. And we had this connect group, the support system, to help us walk through that first year. So it was like communication and trust in your relationship with God and your marriage. And I'm so thankful for those connect group leaders who said yes, who said, who agreed to like follow that little tug on their heart to host a group because it changed my life. I wouldn't be the person I am without those leaders. And so I'm talking to you, that person in this room who has a little tug on your heart, who's saying, yeah, I've always thought about hosting a connect group. I always thought it'd be good to like have some people in my house or go meet at a coffee shop and just live life together that's what we're here to do. We weren't meant to live life alone. And so if you are considering possibly hosting a connect group, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't even have to be whatever your interest is, the top of your game. I held a small group. It was called Coffee Run. So we went and we exercised. We ran 
okay, for 30 minutes, and then we went and got a coffee together. And I should have called it like coffee crawl, because I'm the slowest runner ever. <laughs> we, I mostly walked, okay, we did coffee walk. Uh, but it was really fun. And so if that's you, if you're thinking about it, then don't worry, we have a training. So you're not gonna go out there all by yourself and host a group. We have a team who will support you along the way. And that training is February 4th. So start thinking about it, start praying about it. February 4th is when we have our Connect Group Leader Training. Our last form of worship this morning is our tithes and our offering. And I love this part of the service because it's a time for us to just be generous and kind of give sacrificially, and that can be hard. And so I'm gonna pray for us this morning. There are four ways to give that you can see up on the screen, but I'm gonna pray for our hearts that as we give this morning, that we remember who blessed us in the first place and that he will be with us this whole month, this whole year, as we move into our financial goals for 2024, that we have help behind us. So I'm gonna pray. And if you'd like additional prayer for anything going on in your life, we have a prayer team and they will be up here um, and they would love to pray with you. So dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for blessing us with enough gas in our car to get here. Thank you for everything that you've given us. We pray for this morning's offering. We thank you for this community of people who is generous. And through this offering, we are able to bless Greeley and Evans and far beyond Colorado and even the United States. God, thank you for those who are able to give and bless those who are also not able to give this morning. God, be with them. God, we pray for this week. As we walk into this next week, God, would you be with us? Would you remind us? to ask you into these decisions. As we want to change and as we focus on an area to change, will you join us? It's not through us, but it is you through us that we can be the people you want us to be. So be with us. Thank you, we love you, amen. We love you, Mosaic. Have a great Sunday.